and welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. We're continuing to highlight the categories from Winnipeg's Vital Signs, and today's episode is focused on living and learning. Up first, a North End landmark once associated with the neighborhood's decline is now becoming part of its revitalization. We're going to learn more about how the Merchant's Hotel became Merchant's Corner in our feature story today. And what better place to live and learn than the library? We'll be joined by Lindsay Schluter, the Youth Services Librarian from the Millennium Library, to discuss this weekend's upcoming Take Your Child to the Library Day, which is happening at all library branches across Winnipeg. And during a week of mental health conversation and awareness, we're going to be joined by Stacy Kruger of the Canadian Mental Health Association. She's going to tell us about mental health in the workplace and some tips that you can do to ease some of that day-to-day stress. And finally, a wonderful theatre festival kicks off this week called Shanley Fest. We'll be joined by director Sharon Bajer to tell us about Danny and the Deep Blue Sea on now until February 17th. We've got all these interviews, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. Robert, how was your week off? I missed you. <laughs> I miss staring across the uh, the aisle at you here. How how were things? Uh, things are good. Things yeah. are good. Yeah. How about yourself? Not too bad. It was a little lonely here last week, but I found a way to somehow survive without you. But it's good so to have you back. So that's why the cardboard cutout is here. Yeah. I I mean I had to get something just for more more so for my for my mental health just to see that reassuring look across the across the way. So that's why that's there. It's good to have you back, buddy. Thank you. Good to be back. Today's show is all about living and learning. Um, it's kind of an interesting topic, a very broad topic, but uh, we've, we've got some specific stories that relate to the Winnipeg Vital Signs category, living and learning. Um, one is kind of interesting, uh, talking about living, I guess, would be uh, talking about mental health. Yesterday was Bell Let's Talk Day, if you're familiar with that. Um, it's uh, basically a campaign that Bell media puts on and for every basically every time you tweet or post or mention hashtag bell let's talk they donate five cents to mental health uh, initiatives in canada and we're going to be talking a little bit about mental health because we're going to be joined by stacy kruger of the canadian mental health association she's going to talk a little bit about mental health in the workplace and give a little uh, just some tips and some tricks and some ideas that you can do to just lower your day-to-day stress in in when you're at work whether it be in an office setting or anything because mental health pretty much affects all of us so stay tuned to that stay tuned for that uh sunny primolo is going to be bringing us that interview a little bit later uh what's happening first what do we got up first here rob tell us about uh, the merchant's corner yeah so first of all um we're going to hear about uh, the merchant's corner formerly known as the merchant's hotel um it's all about the revitalization of you know a landmark in the north end Um, It was described as sort of a magnet for crime over the past few decades, unfortunately, with the neighborhood um, having gone through some some rough times and in decline. But, you know, there's one thing that you have to say about the North End is that there's so much resilience and so much community support. And, uh, you know, all of that has come together. And, uh, you know, through their vision, it looks like, uh, you know, that's going to be a really amazing space. Um, opportunities for uh, young people to learn, um, additional housing, which is uh, which is 
you know, something that needs to be addressed in the area as well. Um, a lot of positivity. So um, I spoke with uh, some of the members of the steering committee who have been working on getting this project together. You'll hear all about the amazing transformation uh, of the Merchant's Hotel into the Merchant's Corner coming up after our first song. Very cool. So speaking of the Merchant's Corner, how about Love is Just Around the Corner by Mel Torme right here on River City 360. Love is just around the corner, any cozy little corner. Love is just around the corner, I'm around you. I'm a sentimental mourner, and I couldn't be forlorn. No. Love is just around the corner, I'm around you. Venus de Milo was noted for her charms. Strictly between us, you're cuter than Venus, and what's more, you got a arms. Let's cuddle in the corner, any cozy little corner. Love is just around the corner when I'm around you. You're cuter than Venus, and what's more, you got all arms. Let's cuddle in a corner, any cozy little corner. Love is just around the corner. When I'm around, 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 when I'm around. Shop, pop, but that, but I'm no better than that. Pop, but that, shut up, pop, but I'm leon and all. Hot, that, no better than that. Ball, you're that, ball, you're What do you think of when you think of Winnipeg's North End? Maybe it's history. Perhaps 
the hard times, to say the least, that the neighborhood has faced over the past few decades? Or how about community spirit? I just feel like there's a lot of support in the North End within the community. That's Asia Oliver. She spent time growing up and living in the North End. She completed her high school diploma there at Kakiao on King Street, and she's now in her first year of classes at the University of Winnipeg's Urban and Inner City Studies Department on Selkirk Avenue. People recognizing how much people want to have a good life, and they do what they can to provide the resources to help these people succeed. And that speaks to the vision for redeveloping a North End landmark, the Merchant's Hotel. But not that long ago, Asia recalls things being very different at the corner of Selkirk Avenue and Andrews Street. It was known to be a real eyesore to the North End. It was a very run-down hotel and it had a high crime rate. A lot of violence was around that building. Very scary place to go, like some people wouldn't even want to walk in front of it. Originally built as a hardware and furniture store in 1913, the Great Depression prompted its conversion to a hotel in 1933. But after ownership changed hands several times and the surrounding neighborhood experienced a decline, the hotel became associated with violence and crime. It got to the point where community members had talked about closing the Merchant's Hotel for decades. But one day, in 2011, Dr. Jim Silver got the ball rolling. I had a conversation with Jim August about the possibility of our moving into what was then the Merchant's Hotel. That's Dr. Silver, and he's the professor and chair of the Department of Urban and Inner City Studies at the University of Winnipeg. Before very long, uh, the North End Community Renewal Corporation and a whole bunch of other North End community organizations started meeting as the Merchant's Corner Steering Committee, and we convinced the provincial government to purchase and shut down the Merchant's Hotel. And that happened in 2012. But the closure of the hotel was only the beginning. Although the province had committed to putting funding toward the redevelopment... They said that the local community here in the North End had to raise $1.7 million ourselves, and we were completely taken aback because to raise $1.7 million is simply beyond anything that any of us had ever dreamed of. And I, I was literally waking up in the middle of the night thinking, how the heck are we going to raise $1.7 million? So the steering committee hires a professional fundraiser. And after a few months, she says... It was impossible to raise $1.7 million for a North End project. It's just too much stigma attached to the North End. But that didn't deter the committee. We've now raised $2.5 million. That funding came from private donors and foundations, including an early $600,000 grant from the Winnipeg Foundation that opened doors to more funding. Fast forward to early 2018. The new Merchant's Corner is set to open in phases with 30 units of student housing, three classrooms, a community cafe, and the classrooms will be shared by the University of Winnipeg's Department of Urban and Inner City Studies and CETA Pathways to Education, which is the North End High School Support Program. The community's involvement was integral to the project, with workshops and door-to-door -door consultations providing input on the design and uses of the space. The idea of Four Feathers came from there, I believe. That's Kathy Mallet. She was the co-director of CETA, one of the organizations involved in the steering committee, until her retirement. But she remains active on the Merchant's Corner Steering Committee, and she wants to see the project through. It's a number that, you know, it's kind of sacred in our community, 
at least in our in our culture. And of course, the eagle feathers are very sacred. It's a sacred bird as well. That comes from the community themselves. They identified that, and uh, they identified a whole bunch of other cultural type of activities that they'd like to see happen. While the facade of the hotel is pretty much intact, the interior was gutted and completely redesigned with elements that reflect and honor Indigenous cultures and perspectives. For example, faculty offices are arranged in a circle, honoring the importance of the circle in Indigenous cultures and also promoting interaction between students and faculty. Our community, this community here, deserves a nice place to go to and a pleasant place. But to me, it's far beyond the bricks and mortar. To me, it's the people that go there that will benefit by the programming that's going to happen there, the educational programming. That building of community is so important. So what does this mean for the North End? Well. The Merchant's Corner revitalization is part of a larger effort to build sort of a community campus along Selkirk Avenue. This includes the University of Manitoba's Inner City Social Work Program and the Urban Circle Training Center. Urban Circle also created the Makunsag Intergenerational Children's Center, which offers childcare, with preference going to students in the area. When you factor that in with the additional housing that Merchant's Corner will provide, these initiatives are opening doors for adult learners, many of whom have children, to continue their education. Here's Dr. Silver. I don't think there's any other place in Canada where this is being done, where a university department deliberately moves into a low-income and largely Indigenous neighborhood and then works cooperatively with a high school program. And we think among other positives that will come out of this, high school graduation rates are going to take off. They're already starting to improve because of CETA Pathways work and more and more people are going to be coming into university. Along with the educational programming, Merchant's Corner will have an elder in residence who will provide spiritual support. And Meet Me at the Bell Tower will host its community gatherings and family-based programming as well. It's going to become a real hub for positive, energetic, cultural and educational activity. And Kathy agrees that Merchant's Corner will play a key role in a bright future for the North End. I will see it as a shining diamond. It's going to sparkle in throughout the Hill community and I think it's going to spread. It's very exciting. There's so much potential there. You can learn more about the redevelopment of Merchant's Corner by visiting themerch.ca. For River City 360, I'm Robert Zirk. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Lindsay Schluter from the Millennium Library. Uh, if you've got kids or if you've got grandkids, you want to stick around and listen to this interview, you're going to learn about Take Your Child to the Library Day. That's happening this Saturday, February 3rd. Uh, so if you're listening to the show on Saturday morning, um, yeah, you still got time. I think it, everything kicks off around 10 in the morning, but we'll get to the bottom of what all is happening today or on Saturday from Lindsay uh, right after our next musical break. We've got... Uh, if you could read my mind by John Arpin right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined via telephone by Lindsay Schluter. She is the Youth Services Librarian that's based out of the Millennium Library here in Winnipeg. Lindsay, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking a little bit about literacy and a little bit about Take Your Child to the Library Day, which is happening this Saturday, February 3rd. So if you're listening on Saturday, you can get up and go today. Um, so just tell me a little bit about what's happening at, uh, is it libraries all over the city or is that at L- Millennium specifically? Right. So um, at all of our 18 branches across the system, um, we'll be celebrating Take Your Child to the Library Day. And it's an event that really just celebrates books and reading. Um, so we have performers that will be coming out to each of our branches. So whether it's a family music concert, um, we have Weeby Jammin, the Funky Ducks, Mr. Mark, the One Man Band, or um, a variety of magic shows as well. So Very Ryan cool. Price is coming out, uh, Mr. Circus, Meg and the Magician. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, all of our branches will also have some fun activity stations that families can just sort of work through um, at their own pace. So we have a photo booth where you can take uh, pictures with fun little props and puppets. Oh, nice. um, we'll have a little craft station as well where you can make um, an origami bookmark and just sort of fun little uh, a library card holder. Um, a reading station, of course, um, mm-hmm. with lots of sort of novelty items, so pop-up books and oversized books. Um, we'll have game stations as well, um, things like giant checkers and word twister oh, and fun nice. little puzzles and things. Um, and then a scavenger hunt as well that kids can just um, find hidden pictures throughout the library and check them off their, their list there. Very cool. So fun for the whole family, obviously. Um, how, how many people are you sort of expecting across the city and, and what are the ages of children that are encouraged to, uh, to participate? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, this will be our third year running this event, um, and it's always uh, an excellent turnout so far. We've nice. we've had excellent weather um, for people to be able to venture out and, and come out to the libraries. Always hundreds of people coming out. Um, we certainly welcome children of all ages, whether they're babies, you know, uh, preschoolers going to school. Um, everybody we're excited to see walk through those doors. Very cool. So, obviously, Obviously, there's a whole bunch of not just reading, but a whole bunch of different activities. Why why is it important to sort of make reading fun? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, if we can instill that love of reading and just that motivation to read in kids early mm-hmm. on, it really establishes a great foundation for them to enjoy reading going forward. Um, because if they they love to read and, you know, they're soaking up all of that knowledge and information, uh, they're going to want to do that in the future as well. For sure. So as, as a youth uh, librarian, you probably see kids from all ages in, in your day-to-day work. Why is it important for kids to start reading early? Right. Um, Well, I think, you know, the earlier that you can introduce kids to books, the better. Um, The more comfortable they are with them, um, the more they just seem like a part of everyday life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not an unusual anomaly to pick up a book and and read. Um, So, you know, literally from the day kids are born, you can can start reading with them and, and enjoy books. Um, and as they're starting to learn to read themselves, um, you know they'll be they'll be motivated to do so because they're they're so excited about books right. and reading. So, yeah, for sure, the earlier you can get those books in the hands of kids, the better. And why? What, what is what is the benefit of having uh, like parents, caregivers, grandparents read with the kids as opposed to just having the kids read by themselves? Right. I, well, yeah, I think 
you know, the more that you can make it a very enjoyable experience and something that is comfy cozy, you know, if you're sitting on a rocking chair with grandma reading a book, that's going to be a very heartwarming experience for Mm -hmm. both the, you know, the caregiver as well as the child. Um, And, you know, I think if you can just make again, just making that reading experience very positive. Um, You know, kids look up to us as role models, and, you know, if we can model our enjoyment of reading uh, and our love of books, then, you know, obviously that's going to rub off on kids as well. Definitely. So let's, I understand that you are a part of some early literacy workshops coming up in mid to late February. So tell us a little bit about what's planned for those and, and the dates and all the information. Yeah, so I'm really excited about um, our early literacy workshop for parents. Uh, It's coming up in February. We have two dates. Uh, One will be on Saturday, February 17th in the afternoon, 2 to 3.30. And the other will be on a Monday evening, February 26th from 6.30 till 8 p.m. And both of these will be at Fort Gary Library. And essentially, it's a workshop for parents of preschool children. And it's all about just how to prepare your kids to learn to read and just sort of how we can lay the best possible foundation for them. So we'll cover some fun things, you know, ways that you can just sort of talk and sing and read and write and play with your kids just to build up those literacy skills. Um, We'll have some really great book recommendations as well and a few giveaways uh, too. Yeah. Perfect. So what, what's a quick tip that you could give for grandparents that are listening right now or parents that are listening right now to, to help their preschool child uh, develop a love of reading at a, at a young age? Mm-hmm. I would say my number one tip is Um, really cater to kids' interests and hobbies. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever they might be into in that moment, and, you know, kids can be very fleeting with their interests sometimes, but, um, you know, if they're really into dinosaurs or, you know, into bugs, you know, getting books that really cater to that because that's really going to get them excited about learning more uh, and reading as much as they can. That's a great tip. Fantastic. So, Saturday, February 3rd, this coming Saturday, is Take Your Child to the Library Day. Uh, there's a great little PDF if you go to winnipeg.ca slash library. And it has all the times and places and different activities and bands and magicians and all sorts of activities that are happening. Uh, is there anything else that you could let our listeners know as far as what information they need to, to participate in Take Your Child to the Library Day? Right. Well, you know, drop into any of our branches. Um, Most of our branches are open from 10 to 5 on that Saturday. Um, You don't have to register for any of the uh, activities or any of the performers. Um, Once you're there, uh, you can get a ticket for any of our uh, performances and participate in as many as activities as you can. Fantastic. It sounds like a great day. I hope everybody has fun. And thank you very much for telling us all about it, Lindsay. Lindsay Schluter is the Youth Services Librarian based out of the Millennium Library here in Winnipeg. Thank you so much for uh, talking to us today and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next as we continue our show about the Winnipeg's Vital Signs category, Learning and Living, we'll learn about how to live better when dealing with mental health issues. Uh, It's an important conversation, not just for, you know, Let's Talk Day, but to continue um, to speak about and to continue to end the stigma surrounding mental health and mental illness. So our very own Sonny Primolo uh, will be joined after the break by Stacey Kruger of the Canadian Mental Health Association, and she'll tell us about mental health in the workplace, how you can lower your daily stress levels, and what you can do to practice good mental health every day. So some important reminders, and that's coming up after our next song. 
We're going to hear right now, we're going to hear K-Star with What a Difference a Day Made right here on River City 360. What a difference a day made 24 little hours Brought the sun and the flowers where they used to be rain my yesterday was blue dear today i'm part of you dear my lonely nights are through dear since you said you were mine what a difference a day made there's a rainbow before me skies above can't be stormy since that moment of bliss that thrilling kiss it's heaven when you find romance on your menu what a difference a day made And the difference is listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. As you all may know, as we mentioned earlier in the program, Bell Let's Talk Day happened uh, yesterday, January 31st, and it generated a ton of mental health awareness throughout our community. Uh, Though awareness is a great first step, of course, um, there are some ways that we can actually learn how to deal with mental health issues when they arise. So for that, we're now joined by River City 360's Sunny Primolo, who welcomes Stacey Kruger, community educator from the Canadian Mental Health Association to talk with us about mental health in the workplace. Sunny? 
According to the Government of Canada, one in three Canadians will experience mental health problems in their lifetime. Unfortunately, many brush it off, thinking that person is just being dramatic or lacks confidence. But what they really should know is that mental illness is a real problem, a problem that can lead to even more issues down the road. With us today is Stacy Kruger, community educator from the Canadian Mental Health Association, to talk about the different ways to cope with mental illness in the workplace. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you for inviting me here to talk about workplace mental health. Absolutely. The CMHA offers educational services that employers can utilize to improve the overall well-being of their workplace, whether it be educational seminars, training, or consultation services. Can you tell us what happens during each of these services? A lot of our work is going into workplaces who have invited us in to talk about what mental health might look like in the workplace. How can we start a conversation with someone if we see them struggling? As well, depending on the needs of the employer, we can look at tips to maintain your mental health and mental well-being, as well as, um, you know, next steps. What can we do in the workplace to move forward uh, to maintain an overall well-being? And Stacy actually came in to uh, provide us with an educational seminar recently. And though it was all interesting, one thing you brought up made me really think. Uh, you said working during lunch to improve your efficiency was actually doing the opposite and that mental illnesses cost Canadian employers billions of dollars. Like, how so? Well, one, um, when we step away from our desks uh, and just clear our heads for a moment and relax, uh, when we get back to do our tasks, we're more productive than working through um, and not completing as much as we should during the day. The cost currently to employers or to Canadian employers is about $51 billion wow. per year. Um, $20 billion of that is to direct workplace loss. Mm -hmm. uh, direct workplace loss or loss of productivity could be presenteeism. So when we're physically coming to work, but we're mentally not there. So we're less productive during the day or evening, depending on our shifts. Uh, as well as loss of productivity due to um, long-term and short-term disability claims. So about one in three Canadians will be on leave for a mental health problem. Wow. So I would like to ask you about mental health days. Uh, many people aren't aware of their existence, don't believe in them, or are scared to ask since uh, many employers make no mention of them. Why do you think this is? I think uh, although we've gone a long ways about talking about mental health here in Canada, uh, there's still some stigma around mental health and might be perceived that people may take advantage of a mental health day. Uh, I believe in mental health days. I think, well, one, if you're physically going to work and you're mentally not productive, that's going to continue, which may lead to more difficulties in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, I feel that if you need that day to be able to take care of yourself, you're going to be much more productive moving forward. And how would you ask an employer? Because I feel like a part of the struggle would be just asking. I think, one, uh, if we, we work in a psychologically health, safe workplace, you know, there would be that psychological protection, and we would be able to ask that question um, mm -hmm. directly, saying, you know what, I'm not myself. I need a mental health day. At the same time, if the workplace hasn't stated that there are mental health days, I would still suggest that people take that day um, if it's needed um, and by just phoning and saying, I'm not well today. And Absolutely. So. Uh, what are some common misconceptions of mental health that you've heard? 
Uh, if we're speaking to the workplace, I often, uh, when I'm having a conversation with someone and ask, you know, if I share a sign, you know, someone's coming to work late, they're not um, completing their tasks, we often hear that the person is lazy or, you know, they don't want to, they just want to pile their job on someone else. I noted that there's still a lot of stigma and people don't uh, often want to talk about mental health because, you know, we hear those terms like people with mental illness are really strange or really crazy. That's not a word I usually use. Uh, we often hear, um, speaking to the workplace, if someone's on leave, you know, they're just doing it to be out of work. Uh, someone once shared with me that the stigma around mental health is so large. Um, why would I want to fake an illness that has a lot of stigma? Mm-hmm. And that really stayed with me because folks are at that point where they do need that time or that leave. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Stacy will be teaching us more about mental health. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back. We're here with Stacy Kruger, community educator from the Canadian Mental Health Association, who's here to talk about mental health in the workplace. 
We all have personal stress outside work, and that sometimes may be brought into the office. Uh, with today's competitive job market, there is pressure to show up regardless of your personal issues because the next person is ready to take your spot. Uh, what are your thoughts on this type of presenteeism in the workplace, like when people are, they feel so stressed that they have to be there? I think it's an unfortunate um, place that we are at. Uh, you, you speak to the high job demands that we all currently have and um, we need to take care of ourselves um, in order to make those demands and that fear that we have that you know someone else will take my job or I won't get a promotion. Uh, the Mental Health Commission of Canada developed a psychological health and safe uh, workplace standard uh, using an occupational health lens and the standard is based on 13 psychosocial factors in order to prevent psychological harm in the workplace. And I noted earlier the psychological protection is one of those factors. And being able to communicate your difficulties um, without that fear of losing a job or missed opportunities um, and so on. According to the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Signs Project, when it comes to finances, 17% of Winnipeggers feel constantly stressed, or very often at least. Uh, although many of us enjoy the work we do, let's be honest, we also have mouths to feed. Uh, what advice can you give to those who are constantly stressed about their financial situations? I'm a supporter in um, using and accessing all resources uh, to prevent mental health problems, and one of those can be um, talking with uh, your banker or your personal banker about your finances. Uh, we have many community resources in the city as well that can access to develop uh, financial plans and so on. When struggling uh, with different stresses that we have, um, and finances is one of those, uh, the mental health professional might not be the professional help needed, but someone in a financial mm -hmm. role. Mental health initiatives like Bell Let's Talk Day on January 31st has brought awareness to mental health issues. What are your thoughts on the effects of social media and mental health? I think uh, starting those conversations about mental health are really important and social media is one of those venues and one that many of us use uh, all the time to raise uh, awareness around um, mental health raise awareness around it's okay to talk about mental health um, and if you're struggling and reaching out to others uh, it's a way to reach all ages as well uh, so I think the conversation is important in any medium communication medium that we use so absolutely You've provided us with a lot of great advice today, Stacey. Uh, for those wanting to learn more on how to improve their organization's overall well-being, how can they reach out to the CMHA for their services? Uh, an organization or an employer interested in bringing workplace mental health uh, sessions into their workplace can visit our website at mbwpg.cmha.ca. They will note um, one of the tabs will say workplace mental health and they can see the variety of sessions that we currently have. Thanks to the great work of the Canadian Mental Health Association, more individuals have the ability to access the proper tools and knowledge to take more care of themselves, both physically and mentally in the future. Uh, before I let you go, Stacey, is there anything you would like to add? Thank you again for inviting me to talk about this important topic and uh, 
I encourage everyone to um, just take a moment and think about their own mental health, uh, especially around days like Bell's Let's Talk Day. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Stacey. Thanks, Sonny. Coming up next, we'll be joined in studio by Sharon Bajer, director, playwright, and actor based out of Winnipeg. She's directing one of the plays in this year's 18th annual Shanley Fest, and she'll tell us all about it after our next song. We're going to hear right now Anita Bryant with In My Little Corner of the World, right here on River City 360. for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by Sharon Bajer. She's the, she's a playwright, actress, and now she's the director of Danny and the Deep Blue Sea, which is on now at the Keep Theatre for the 18th annual Shanley Fest. Sharon, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So Shanley Fest is a festival that uh, sort of highlights the work of John Patrick Shanley. So uh, my first question is, what drew you to his work specifically, and why did you want to direct uh, one of his plays? Well, I love John Patrick Shanley's writing. I think um, what I love so much about it is that he really uh, goes for the heart of people, and his plays are often full of 
of deep pain and humor. Mm. So um, I always think that a, that a great play has both, will make you laugh and make you cry. And a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to direct a play called Outside Mullingar. And MTC is going to be doing that uh, as the flagship production. And um, so I wanted to be involved. I wanted to do something. And I remember that, uh, I, that when I was in theater school, I had seen an incredible production of Danny and the Deep Blue Sea um, done by a husband and wife team. Jay Brizzo was, the, was Danny. And uh, he's actually from Winnipeg and cool. has made quite a career for himself. But he was just a young guy when he did that. And, and it stuck with me. It was, I just remember, I remember loving the play huh. and, and being so moved by it. So when we had the opportunity to do it, I kind of jumped at M- it. Must have been a great per- set of performances and a great play, yeah. obviously. So yeah. tell me about Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. It's a, is it just two actors that are in it? And what's the sort of basic synopsis? Yeah, so da- it is two actors. It's sort of, it's, it takes place in 1984 in a, in, a, in a down and out bar in the Bronx. And it's about sort of two uh, damaged people that meet in this bar for different they're there for different reasons and they they end up making a connection with each other but the the damage that they have that they're carrying around the baggage that they're carrying around sort of inhibits them from uh, from really having a normal kind of uh, date mm-hmm. I guess gotcha. so uh, anyway they spend the they spend the whole night together and there's something about the the um, the way they are with each other that draws out uh, stories for, uh, that they want to share with each other that that actually bring them bring them to a place of kind of uh, redemption and hmm. uh, through love it's it's cool. a beautiful beautiful play damaged yeah. is certainly interesting yeah it is what, yeah. what, what are you hoping that uh, people who come to the show walk away with? How do you want them to feel or think or experience? What do you want them to experience? Well, I want them to feel the whole, the whole thing. Like we're, um, we're doing it in a, uh, a space that's, that's never been a theater venue before. It's, um, it's the upper hall in a, in an old church called the, uh, Crescent Fort Rouge United Church on the corner of Wardlaw and Nassau. And, um, I decided last year I had, I've, I've rehearsed a bunch of, um, plays independent shows in that space and I thought oh it'd be this would be a wonderful theater venue so I formed uh, a collective called the keep theater and this is kind of our first uh, show in the space so what I want to do with the keep theater is have people have an experience the moment they walk through the door and I want to give them plays that will move you and make you think and make you feel and make you laugh and make you feel, um, uh, I don't know, just cleansed, I guess, because I, I really feel like theater can do that. So all of the shows that I'm going to be end up, that I'm going to do in that theater is, or will have that, <laughs> you know, I'll be striving to do that. And the experience that people will have when they come to see Danny in the Deep Blue Sea will start the moment they walk through the door. Is it a lot more of an intimate sort of a venue? Or how, yeah. how is it going to differ from a traditional big stage theater kind of a thing? Um, it doesn't have a stage, okay. for one. That's well, it does have a little stage, but we're actually putting putting seats on the stage. Oh, cool. Um, it's a round room. Mm. And um, we're, we don't have... Uh, we didn't have a lot of money for this first production, so we're, we're using... The set is going to be... Uh, the room itself, and uh, a couple of the scenes take place in a in a closet that she's converted into her, a, a little bedroom. 
and there's this perfect space in the in the room cool. that 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 we've transformed into a closet. We're lighting it not with theatrical lights. We're lighting it with lamps. So mm. we've been borrowing borrowing lamps and risers and. Uh, we're <laughs> we have power bars with with switches instead wow. of dimmers. Um, yeah, it's so very really, intimate. I guess it's very intimate. I mean, it does seat. We can fit about eighty people in okay, there. Yeah. So it's um, but it the it's also the old part of the church. So the acoustics mm. are incredible. Cool. So even if you if you're sitting right at the back, you can you can hear them so clearly. I've seen shows at Fringe that have a three sixty degree audience on all four sides, and it's an interesting dynamic for the actors and for the audience because you know you can you're always seeing something. And sometimes they're not facing you, so it's a whole different kind of yeah. A, atmosphere when you see that yeah this one's the the audience is not completely in the round there's sort of a it's sort of a thrust but mm. um the the room itself is round which cool. is just interesting architecture nice. yeah. so you've been uh in sort of the theater world since for a, a long time for a long time now <laughs> yeah. since 1990 i read on your website yes how yeah. has how has the theater world evolved since you got started Oh, boy. Well, I moved here from Vancouver, actually, mm. in 1990 to do a show at uh, Manitoba Theatre for Young People. And growing up in Vancouver, I didn't really see how I could make a living in theatre if I stayed there. Mm. Because it's very expensive and it's just, it was just a hard go of it there. Right. So um, I, when I came here, I immediately fell in love with the community and the kind of the potential of the community. And I've seen a lot of changes over the last 26 years including the, f the, the growth of, of our community. So we have a lot more actors so that work on the main stages here. We have a lot more playwrights. Um, there are a lot more um, women directing plays and uh, a lot of independent companies that are doing really challenging work. I think that, I think that it's really, really grown and um, we're known across the country for being kind of a vibrant uh, having a vibrant theater community and a lot more young people are staying and that's another another mandate of my theaters try to keep people mm. in yeah, in Manitoba huge. that's yeah. huge um, speaking of young people what what would be some advice that you would give to a young actor or actress or writer or playwright or director just starting out that you wish someone would have told you 26 years ago <laughs> well I think what what a lot of young actors are told is is you know if you can do anything else uh, or have a side job, you, you know, you know, learn <laughs> a, some skill. A plan B? Yeah, plan B. It's not even a plan B. It's just something that, um, something that you can subsidize mm -hmm. your, yeah. your art with. I think that's, that's, a, that's good advice for, for anybody going, uh, you know, be, going into the arts in any field. Agreed. Yeah. So I would have done that. I would have yeah. done, had some other skill, plumbing or something. Right. But. Was it were th was there times where it was pretty hard starting out, or was or is that why you think that? Um, it it actually is not starting out wasn't so hard. Uh, you don't need a lot of money when you're in your early twenties. It's mm -hmm. it's later on in your life right. when when you start to have um, family and and responsibilities. And it's not bothered me too much. I'm the kind of person that likes the roller coaster. I know a lot of people don't like that. And when I talk about the roller coaster, I just mean, you know, you, you really don't know what you're doing. It's not guaranteed work. No, you're yeah, just, no yeah. and you, you really don't know what's around the next corner. Mm -hmm. I love that yeah. because something incredible could happen. And then other times, like, you could have two months of no work. So right. I started writing plays uh, and producing stuff because I wanted to have an outlet for my, uh, you know, for my my theater passion mm -hmm. when I when I wasn't employed by one of the bigger companies right. so yeah that's yeah. great well 
last night, Danny and the Deep Blue Sea premiered. Yes. So congratulations for that. Thank and you. it's going to be running for how long and where can people find more information and come see this wonderful play? Um, well, we're, we have 10 shows, um, well, nine shows now, and it runs till February 17th. And you can go to uh, the RMTC, uh, our royalmtc.ca website and, it, and look for our show, Danny and the Deep Blue Sea, under Shanley Fest. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, you've got the number here, 204, if you want to call for tickets, 204-775-5467. Or, as Sharon mentioned, go to royalmtc.ca. There's actually a cool thing. You can get the Shanley Pass for all, because there's a, I think there's 15 different shows that you there can are. see or 15 different yeah. uh, experiences to have. So tickets rate from tickets are from 15 to 20 dollars or so but if you get the shanley pass for 90 you can see all of them yeah for and that nice price if i could say one more thing sure. about that one thing one great thing about this festival is that it um you have you can see many different plays from the from the same playwright and mm, so you kind yeah. of see an evolution of of the playwright if you and you can study a little bit about them and cool. and John Patrick Shanley is just he's really interesting and still alive. Very yeah exactly. <laughs> so celebrate it well while he's still here. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Sharon Bajer is a playwright, actor, and director of Danny and the Deep Blue Sea, which is on now at the Keep Theater, which is five two five Wardlaw Avenue. Again, go to RoyalMTC.ca for tickets. Thank you so much, Sharon, for talking to us. Thanks, today. Nolan. Thank you. Have a wonderful uh, run with the show. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan. And we've got time for one more song before we say goodbye today. So here's Jim Neighbors with I've Gotta Be Me, right here on River City 360. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Whether I find a place in this world or never belong I've gotta be me I've gotta be me what else can I be but what I am? I want to live, not merely survive. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests who spoke with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about this or any of our past episodes. Please give us a call on our listener line. It's open 24-7. The number to dial is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Give us a comment about the show. You can request a song if you like or suggest a topic or a story for a future show. Again, the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off and saying goodbye for RiverCity360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. <laughs>